Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm your host, Laura Griffiths, TCT Head of Content, and today we're continuing our interview series with a conversation with Nora Ture, Director for Sales and Service Factory Operations at Fast Radius and founder of Women in 3D Printing. With a background in additive manufacturing spanning online 3D printing services at Sculptio to heavy industry at Avaldi, and now working with one of the world's leading digital factories at Fast Radius, we spoke to Nora about supply chain, where additive fits in, and the importance of diverse teams and perspectives. As always, if you like what you hear, you can get your free print subscription to TST Magazine and receive the biggest 3D printing news stories delivered straight to your inbox every week with our Additive Insight newsletter by subscribing at tctmagazine.com. You can also let us know what you think on social at the TCT Magazine and join in the discussion on the Additive Manufacturing Global Community Discord. And now a word from our sponsor, Ultimaker. Ultimaker are a manufacturer of desktop extrusion-based 3D printers that can help streamline your workflow and save you time and money. Ultimaker printers offer industrial grade material options backed by an extensive materials alliance program and they're also paired with trusted Cura slicing software which recently surpassed a milestone of 2 million users. For the decade in the additive manufacturing industry, Ultimaker machines have been used by a wide range of industrial customers for a range of applications. For more info, click the link in the description or visit mytct.co forward slash ultimakerpod. So hi, Nora. Great to finally have you on the Additive Insight podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you, Laura. And thank you for having me. We have, of course, worked together for a few years now on a number of mm. collaborative panels and on the Women in 3D Printing Innovator Award. You also wrote a column for us last year as a member of our Expert Advisory Board, so I'm so excited to have you on. Um, I would love to talk to you both about your work in additive manufacturing at Fast Radius and also Women in 3D Printing. So first, for our listeners who may be unfamiliar with your work, can you tell us a little bit about your background in 3D printing and what led you to where you are now? Oh, yes, for sure. Um, well, I, I started my career uh, in France, uh, so back in 2010, actually, um, and uh, as I joined uh, Sculpteo, so uh, service bureau Sculpteo, so who was uh, located mostly in France at the time, so I joined really as, a, as an intern. Um, and, uh, it was, you know, it was a startup fast paced and, uh, I grew with it. Um, mm -hmm. so before I knew it, I came to the U S, uh, to open and develop the U S business for the company. Um, so that was, uh, 20, early 2013, like end of 2012, early 2013. Um, and, uh, so spent a total of eight years with Sculpteo, absolutely loved it. Um, I learned so much both from, uh, <laughs> perspective of uh, work perspective and personally as you can imagine I was uh, less mm -hmm. than 25 coming to a new country uh that wasn't you know my mother language I mean so many so many obstacles but uh, I, I love them all and uh, every challenge was opportunity for me to to grow um and uh, it's also around that time that I started Women in 3D Printing uh with no ambition whatsoever to make it what it is today actually um <laughs> my my only idea was to start a blog and I know you have a few questions about women 3D printing, so I'm not going to go too too far into the details here. But basically, started women 3D printing as a blog uh, around that time, 
Well, actually, after like, yeah, 2014, actually. So, you know, took some time to settle in, you know, get to know uh, what it was to work here, et cetera. But it's, anyway, I'll, I get we'll talk more about Momentary Printing in a little while. Um, and uh, after school till I, uh, as I said, after eight years, I uh, I wanted to see something else, you know, want to have a change of scenery. Um, and also wanted to see what it was like to work from the other side, not to be on the service bureau side, but to be on the, on the end user side. Um, and so mm. I joined the Ivaldi group, um, worked with them for a bit over two years. Um, so Ivaldi group um, is, is around and also based in California and uh, is really uh, specializing in providing additive manufacturing solutions to the to heavy industry, uh, but namely maritime, oil and gas, construction, uh, mining. Um, and so as a, as a VP strategy over there, I had the luxury to see a lot of applications in those different industries, uh, learned so much, traveled the world, loved it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then after, after a while, I felt like I wanted to go back on the service side. Actually, I felt like I needed to, to learn more about manufacturing. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's what led me to Fast Radius. Um, and the reason why I uh, picked Fast Radius is because it is additive manufacturing, but not only. We're also serving our customers with traditional manufacturing. And I felt again at this stage in my career that uh, this is what I needed. Um, this is really what was missing for me. Uh, and so uh, I'm having the time of my life. I love it. <laughs> so I'm also back on uh, heavy on management um, and uh, again, learning so much from, from my peers, from my team, from the leadership. Um, so really uh, a great experience so far. It's been only a, a few months, uh, little, actually eight months. Uh, but uh, again, absolutely love it so far. And what a time to have come in really and to be learning about all these different manufacturing processes and how they fit in because of course we've seen from the additive manufacturing industry over the last 12 months and the impact of the pandemic how manufacturers are really now starting to think differently about supply chain and the potential for additive manufacturing and advanced manufacturing within that. In just the last issue of TCT we gathered perspectives from so many voices within our industry about how the technology can be used for supply chain resilience and Fast Radius was already very kind of attuned to this way of thinking with its recognition as this world leading digital factory with on demand manufacturing services. So have you seen much evidence of this increased demand for supply chain flexibility through your customers at Fast Radius? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if anything, it accelerated the, abju- the adoption Sorry for uh, flexible manufacturing solutions. Um, mm. and, uh, and that includes additive manufacturing, obviously, but not only. I think it's also the 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 idea of uh, being able to have a one-stop shop where we can have additive but also CNC and injection and castorating mm. all in the same place, um, and uh, and that is really what, what was accelerated. Uh, but for sure, additive manufacturing. Uh, I mean, we yeah, <laughs> but not not only at Pastries. I could already see it at uh, at Tivaldi because I actually made the switch last year I'm in the middle of all of this, <laughs> so I got to see like perspective on two two different companies. Um, but even the, the people who are reaching out to me through Women in 3D Printing, the questions they have are more oriented uh, toward uh, on-demand manufacturing, flexible manufacturing solutions. So yes, I, I can definitely see uh, that it was accelerated uh, through, the, through this crisis, actually. Mm-hmm. 
It must be so interesting working somewhere like Fast Radius with the amount of different types of customer stories that you must get there. I mean, just over at TCT the last year, we've seen you guys have customers in aerospace with Satur to healthcare with Axial 3D. And just with, with this expansive customer base, just in terms of additive manufacturing, are, are you seeing any trends or patterns in the kinds of applications that customers are approaching Fast Radius with? And I guess more importantly, are you seeing any trends in terms of that demand for production additive manufacturing? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. It's hard to answer in terms of uh, trends and industries um, mm. because that's that's also what is so thrilling working in a service board that you get to work with so many different customers in so many different industries. As you, as you mentioned, you have, well, we have indeed applications like case studies in aerospace, healthcare, and those are only the ones we can talk about, obviously. Uh, as you know, <laughs> service bureaus like it is like comes in two two ways, right? Extremely excited when you're within and you see what we can do, uh, but actually a little bit frustrating in the fact that you cannot necessarily share about all of the success stories. Um, so I'm I'm back in the middle of that and not being able to share too much. That being said, yes, in terms of um, uh, you know d- demand for high volume production, absolutely yes. But that you know that that is part of the DNA of Fast Radius. Uh, and again, back to I, I don't want to step away from additive manufacturing, but you know, putting it back there, like that's also what the reason why we we also offering traditional manufacturing solutions. Uh, I mean, additive manufacturing. It is um, when you talk about high, high, high production. It's uh, high volume production. Um, it is still a little bit niche. Uh, and when mm. you compare it to uh, more traditional manufacturing process, it's not always it's not always a go to solution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wanted to be able to offer all of the solutions out there. So yes, we do see an increase of demand for additive manufacturing, but it's not always the solution that would make sense. Um, mm-hmm. So our job here is to orient the customers and yes, to push them to additive towards additive manufacturing when it does make sense, uh, but to also be realistic and give them all the opportunities uh, that will make sense for them. And sometimes it means stepping away from additive manufacturing when you're starting to uh, go above a certain volume or if, if the part and the parts aren't that complex, it would require only additive manufacturing. So mm-hmm. we, and that's again, that's our job uh, to help the customers make the best decisions uh, for themselves based on their production needs. Um, so additive is definitely still very present uh, for me. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm learning how to not be biased. because <laughs> I was extremely biased with additive manufacturing so far uh, and to see, see what else is out there and how we can work uh, in complementary with other manufacturing processes. Um, and, and that's, again, this exact phase I'm in right now is to see mm-hmm. how additive manufacturing can work uh, hand in hand with other manufacturing process because it's never going to replace injection. Uh, maybe I believed it at some point, but no, it never will. Uh, it has to work in the same, the same, the same world, though. Um, so that's, again, that's a process right now. And that's what we're seeing as well. Um, customers are asking for, and sometimes the same customers asking for additive manufacturing, but also asking for more traditional manufacturing processes. Uh, and that's actually what really makes sense. And for me, that's really where the future of AM lies is, uh, with in combination with other manufacturing processes, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It's so interesting hearing your perspective of that because we're so used to talking to people that are very used to traditional manufacturing and then they they see additive as the exciting thing. But for you, you're very used to additive manufacturing and suddenly these other processes are now the new and exciting technology to get to grips with. 
Yeah, I get to learn uh, the traditional uh, aspect now of it, <laughs> which is, <laughs> is interesting. And actually, you also have uh, bias and barriers you need to break uh, to be able to do that. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting process, but I love it. <laughs> And I know you've said, of course, working for um, like a service provider or manufacturer, you often can't talk about uh, the applications of projects that customers um, do with you guys. But are there any kind of exciting applications that, that you can share with us that are particularly mm -hmm. interesting to you at the moment, whether it has been through customers at Fast Radius or indeed things that you've seen in, in the wider industry in general? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there is a, actually... Um... A brand new case studies we, we just released, actually, that's, so I know I can talk about it, uh, with uh, Colgate uh, Palmolive. Um, and uh, it's actually very interesting because it kind of um, uh, encapsules uh, everything that, you know, make additive manufacturing for, for high volumes uh, so interesting. Uh, basically, mm -hmm. they have like um, a bottle accumulator in the factory. So it's basically to get all the bottles, uh, you know, put the caps on the bottles. Um, and basically, they had like a very hard piece, um, a, a tiny piece, but a hard piece that didn't help them oh, grasp the bottle very well. So the bottles would fall on the ground of the factory floor. So not ideal, as you can imagine. And a mm. lot of downtime because, well, each time that happened, they had to stop the machine, put the bottles back up there and, you know, and then and then go back to it. So not, not ideal. So they, they came to us with this problem. And so we actually have an in-house engineering team uh, that worked with them. And basically, we, we built like a new, a new part for them. Uh, and I believe we made it out of... Uh, I believe it was EPU. Uh, so the carbon material, I think it was EPU. Uh, but not only, we also made some uh, part of uh, PA12 uh, out of the out of MGF. So anyway, combination of a few material and few additive manufacturing processes. Uh, so we came with this new grisp, um, and and that worked pretty well now. Uh, so they don't have downtime anymore. So anyway, it's a perfect like use case example of what I've been working at as well at Ivaldi uh, mm -hmm. is really like uh, spare parts uh, who are, so in this case, it wasn't missing spare parts. It was more like enhancing what was already existing because what they had wasn't working pretty well. Uh, but this is really like for me, the, the essence of what we're doing and those are not sexy parts. They are not like, you know, <laughs> uh, when you think about it, it's just like a, a piece of uh, plastic that will go on a piece of machinery to hold bottles. But at the end of the day, like it, re it resolves a real problem that they have in the industry. Um, so yeah, I, I love this case study. It's, and actually we just released it. So that's why again, I can talk about it. Um, but those are kind of uh, projects we're working on. So you can mm -hmm. see how, how exhilarating it is for me. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> but you're so right, though. It's often those applications that are not obviously exciting on the service that happen to be the most yeah. valuable because they just either save time or a huge amount of money or just make some a process so much easier. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You've worked across so many different facets of the AM industry, as you mentioned at the start, working from Sculptio to Avaldi and now Fast Radius. From all this different kinds of experience, are there any additional challenges you think that we face in the additive manufacturing industry that uh, we need to address in order to help the technology to reach its true potential, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give you um, probably a very biased uh, answer because of my, you know, my hat with women in 3D printing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I still think we, we're missing diversity, but not only diversity in terms of a gender diversity. Um, I think we're also missing uh, diversity in representation of any group and also in terms of backgrounds. Um, mm. So it's, um, you know, like we, we, we have this chance in additive manufacturing that 
so far, I mean, it's changing, but it hasn't been really like a, a curriculum for 3D printing. No one really has a 3D printing degree. It doesn't, it, it doesn't exist yet. So we, we all are enriched by really different experiences and backgrounds. Um, so yes, for now, like I, I've been in additive for, uh, for now 11 years, but uh, I, I'm not coming from this world at first. I mean, I was studying to be a lawyer. Uh, and that, that's, I've, I know I've said it a few times on interviews, like this is where I'm coming from. So nothing yeah. would see me, you know, being like spending eight years in Silicon Valley in additive manufacturing. Uh, that's not something I had planned for. Uh, and yet I embraced it. And again, it's, it, it's great. And, but we all have very different um, backgrounds uh, and we should embrace that more, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. I do see an, um, some sort of a trend to, to close the industry sometimes uh, and I, I don't like it. Uh, I would rather us like opening it more. Um, so it's okay if you don't have an engineering background. It's okay that you don't have 10 years experience in additive manufacturing for you to get started because none of us who are where we are now had that experience when we first started and that's Mm -hmm. what made this industry to actually and this technology to move forward so quickly and to innovate so quickly because we because we innovate and we have diversity of thought in the same room uh and to to bring back to fast traders that's one thing i really really appreciate is that we all have different background like not all of us in the company are coming from additive manufacturing and this is fantastic like the people i'm talking to are coming from consulting from software uh mm-hmm. from 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 beer corporation others from startup and so we we have diversity of thought and so we we argue <laughs> and this is great yeah. i don't know if it's uh i don't want to make uh stereotypes i don't know if it's because i'm french but i love that i love to be able to be in a company where i can have different opinions uh mm-hmm. and sometimes i'm wrong sometimes i'm right obviously i like to be right but i'm okay being wrong as well uh, but this is how we move forward is having different perspective on the same issue because uh, yeah. if you only have people who have the same answers to the same problem in the room uh well you're not you know you're gonna run into circle um mm-hmm. so that is definitely something i would recommend like um additive manufacturing companies to remember uh is that we all coming from different industries before that uh and we now have to be careful about keeping keeping that all very much alive this diversity mm-hmm. of background. And then again, that, that entails through everything, diversity of background, diversity um, of uh, ethnic groups, diversity of uh, gender. Uh, we, we should embrace that more as an industry, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's so, so important. And, and just expanding on that point you made there about not closing off the industry and kind of opening it up to, to more diverse backgrounds and, and types of people. I mean, you've had experience building and scaling teams throughout your additive career. And it, it's one of the key things that Fast Radius really pointed to when, when you first joined the company. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on the way we're seeing the additive manufacturing industry open up a bit more to this idea of collaborating our knowledge together to, to further the, in, the industry as a whole. Do you think that kind of ties into this as well, the idea of having more diverse opinions and, and different areas of expertise yeah absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. um yes and the, the people we're hiring in my team uh so i'm i'm managing one of the the sales team uh i'm not necessarily coming from the from the in, from the manufacturing industry i was going to say from additive but not even like they don't like most of them are not <laughs> even coming from uh from the manufacturing industry if they have a manufacturing background great but this is not a requirement um, I prefer having someone who is highly motivated, who wants to, mm-hmm. who is eager, you know, to learn and who is going to, to give 300% of themselves, uh, to, to, 
to make room for themselves in this industry uh, than someone who has been in this industry for a while. I mean, then again, don't get me wrong. We also have people who have been in the industry for a while and they're doing great, right? But it just, I want to have this diversity in my team. I don't want to have only people who are coming from the, from, from manufacturing. Uh, mm -hmm. I also want people who come from other industries so I can also learn from them. And that's the key thing as a manager. I want to be able to learn from my team. Um, and I, that's why I don't want people who are all coming from the same background I have right now. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So now I really want to delve into your work with women in 3D printing. It's become this real force within the additive manufacturing industry now. You founded the organization while you were still at Sculptio and, and really quickly, quickly established it as this platform with interviews, blogs, panels with women all across the industry. Can you just talk about what led to that initial idea and were you surprised to see so many women reaching out to you from the industry? Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, when, I, when I first started the, the blog, so as I said, it was really a, a blog when I, I started this. Uh, I honestly thought like that, you know, I, I would be doing one interview a month of the 12 women I knew that were in my network back then. <laughs> uh, that were mostly in California because that's where I was. Uh, and that was it. I was like, okay, that's a nice, you know, nice hobby for a year. Uh, and uh and you know that will that will bring visibility it's gonna you know we're gonna start this but it's you know again I, I don't know what i was thinking i was i wasn't thinking a lot <laughs> about what it would become uh and before i knew it yeah it went uh it didn't even go viral uh for say but it's more like yeah you know word of mouth and people starting to talk uh women being like oh yeah i'm being extremely inspired by this story so I was still looking into having a lot of uh, diversity of background, back to the diversity of background. Uh, and at first I did, actually, did, I don't think I interviewed any engineer uh, the first the first few months. Uh, I interviewed women who were having their own businesses, who were struggling as uh, the CEO, who had generous question about what, what it means to be a, to be a CEO in this industry, uh, mm -hmm. female CEO in this industry, women who are working in marketing and business. Um, so again, really open up like based on my network and I was always, and I'm in sales. Um, so I, you know, a lot of people I was talking to and the, the women I had in my network was also in sales or in marketing. So anyhow, that's how it started with no, really like organically uh with yeah. no no yeah no extra thought into the process and so i was extremely surprised indeed to see that yeah the blog was read like everywhere in the world like in the first few months uh it, it made me extremely proud obviously but also scared of what i had started <laughs> and being like okay <laughs> what am i doing now uh because it, it was just me and uh i'm not a writer i'm not a journalist so really i didn't know what to do from there so I just decided to take it easy and to go with the flow, right? And to not overthink about it. And uh, it's only, I would say, maybe four years ago that I realized how it had become. Because in the meantime, I was just, you know, heads down doing actually my job uh, in my mm. full-time J job. And women to do printing was really my uh, night activity and weekend activity, which, by the way, still is. Uh, but I didn't put too much thought into it, right? Um, and again, it's only a few years after that uh, I realized what, what, had, what it had become and that decided to actually uh, have a board of directors and have an actual team and turning it into an actual non-profit because at the time again just a blog so i didn't do any of the legal stuff that would go around it it's only really the last uh three to four years i would say that we established it as, a, as an actual company um mm -hmm. and before that it was really um and it's still mainly a community but there is an actual company behind it uh and this is indeed from seeing it growing organically from from women uh, who shared it with each other but also men we have a lot of uh, male supporters 
Um, so yeah, that, that helps a lot as well. Well, going with the flow certainly seems to have worked for women in 3D printing because you've grown into this truly global outfit with chapters all over the world, regular meetups, live events, including a conference, which we'll get into shortly, and loads of other things as well. What's your take on how the, the gender gap in the industry has kind of changed in that time since you really started to ramp things up with women in 3D printing? Yeah, actually, that's an excellent question, but also a very hard one for me to to answer because we mm. we don't have so much data, as you know. Uh, yeah. And I think it's tied to a lot of reasons. I mean, we're, we're technology. Uh, we keep saying we're an industry, but we are not necessarily set as an industry yet. So we don't necessarily have uh, all the, the metrics that go around it. So we only started looking by, you know, through surveys and working with partners, uh, Alexander Daniel Globals, uh, but also Scopetail, who are doing very compelling uh, reports every year, uh, including uh, reports on the, the gender gap. Uh, and so we're working with them and we're also doing our own reports. Um, so we're starting now to gather data, but it's only been a few years. Uh, so to be honest, like in terms of data, we don't have enough uh uh, uh, background and history, you know, to really compare how it was, let's even say, like six years ago compared to what it is now. What mm -hmm. we can say, though, is that we probably increase the visibility of the women in the industry, but I'm not exactly sure that we increase the number of women joining the industry. Um, mm -hmm. And that's so, and those are two different things, right? So our goal is really to promote the women who are already in the industry, to enable to encourage uh, more women to join this industry. Uh, and this is now going through some of the initiatives we're putting together this year and that we just released actually, uh, Women Should Be Printing Next Gen. Uh, that's mm -hmm. really like uh, 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 the next gen is really the umbrella for all of the youth-oriented uh, activities that we have. Um, and we have quite a few from uh, interviews to events to mentorship programs. So we have quite a lot of activities there. Also working with schools, putting curriculum together, etc. So this is a work in progress, obviously. But this is part now of the second second aspect of a tagline that is, you know, again, promoting women in the additive manufacturing in order to encourage more women to join it. Uh, and so we realized that the like we did a good job, I think, on the promoting women in the industry. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think we still a long way to go with encouraging more women to join the industry. Uh, and for that, also, we need to be able to capture data better. Uh, and again, we we're not suited for that just yet. Neither are we as an industry. Um, so this is a uh, ongoing work, uh, with, uh, quite a few partners, uh, to make that happen. And one of the reasons it's taken us so long to pin you down for this podcast is that you've just had a super busy month with the successful launch of your very first conference. I mean, mm -hmm. talk about visibility. It was the first conference we've seen with an all-female lineup in the additive manufacturing industry. Mm -hmm. What lasting message do you hope that the success of this first event has on the rest of the industry? What do you hope it says about our industry? Well, that we know we have at least 147 women who are sitting <laughs> on stage. <laughs> so <laughs> there is absolutely no reason to have uh, events with, uh, with less than 50% female speakers. Um, I hope that's the, that's the lessons learned for the entire industry here with type. Uh, it is that, yes, we have uh, perfectly capable women in the industry who, can have, who, who are innovating uh, and who have a lot to say. Uh, the feedback we received from the conference were actually uh, really good. Um, and, 
and uh, in terms of uh, so organization, even though it was virtual, and you know, even though we're all getting used to being virtual, I wish we were able to to do part of it in person, but it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about that. Uh, but then we had a lot of really positive feedback on the quality of the talks we had and the diversity, again, diversity of background, because I knew mm -hmm. it was female only, but we had women really from all the world and with different backgrounds. Uh, and I think that was a, that was refreshing uh, in my personal opinion, but also from the feedback we received from it. Uh, but again, the key message here, I think, is like, yes, we have over, because we had to refuse uh, quite a few uh, uh, applicants. Uh, so we have over 150 women uh, who are here available uh, and uh, more than happy to share their work on stage. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced any any challenges along the way with women in 3D printing? I'm, I'm interested to know if there's been any kind of uh, pushback to the concept of an all-female conference lineup, for example, or whether you've ever had any kind of challenges in that area. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we had pushbacks. Uh, not a lot, but still a few that were uh, kind of uh, striking because uh, they came from both men and women, I have to say, uh, mm. people who would not understand, who even think it was uh, discriminatory for us to have a female only lineup of speakers. Uh, so glad to see that they wanted to be part of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then they, I think they didn't realize that this was a woman in 3D printing led event uh, that was built by and for the community and that it was open to all. Like, yes, mm -hmm. we only had female speakers, but men were more than welcome to join and actually we, we had quite a lot of men joining um so we had a, we had over 25 percent of men uh being uh, attendees to the conference uh and having extremely good feedback actually from from the few men who were there um and uh but yeah we, we definitely had pushbacks uh, and that's okay that's normal again i don't want it's you know i I have to accept what I want, right? Which is like, I, I want us to have arguments like that, to have those hard conversations. So uh, I'm glad those, uh, those people um, speak up. Uh, and I think there were probably more people who didn't understand but didn't say a thing. Uh, but those who did, actually, thank you, for, thank you for the discussion and the debate. Because uh, it also, like, it also, you know, back, back to like, really women, the essence of women printing and not so much the, the conference anymore. Like, we... We're not a women's club, um, so we want to provide a platform for women to to share uh, about their experience in the industry for sure, but most and foremost, like the expertise in the industry. So when you come to a woman in 3D printing event, again, they're open to all. Uh, it is uh, it is about sharing uh, about the industry. So we we're gonna have a, a technical discussion. We're gonna have business oriented discussions. I mean, if you see like. The type uh, tracks, I mean, it was technology, industry, people, economics, and youth. Um, so we did talk a little bit about what it meant, especially to be a CEO, a female CEO in the additive manufacturing space. So especially mm. in the people track, we did have a few talks about like what it meant to be a woman in a male-dominated industry, for sure. Uh, but that wasn't the majority of the of the conference. Uh, mm. And uh, and that's the same thing with every event we do. Like if you go to any local chapter, uh, yes, you are going to hear from women for sure, but you are going to have men in the room as attendees, uh, in addition to women, obviously, and uh, and we're going to talk about 3D printing. That's what we do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so come to one an event and you will see, you will even forget this is a woman in 3D printing event. Uh, the mm -hmm. only clue that would give you, you know, that would tell you it's a woman in 3D printing event, it's because it's organized, most of the time it's organized only by women, even though we do have a couple of uh, men ambassadors. Um, and uh, thank you, Will, and thank you, Nathan, uh, for being part of the organization. Um, um, but uh, the, the, 
the people you're going to hear from are women. Uh, and that will be, again, your only clue to being in a woman in 3D printing event. Uh, otherwise, mm -hmm. it's really related to additive manufacturing, period. Mm -hmm. I, I think you make such a, an important point there about it, having those discussions with people and almost those those arguments with people to make sure that you are hearing the, the, the other side of the of the conversation. And I think so often it's put on women to answer the questions about diversity in industry and what, what do we do next to yeah. encourage diversity? Do you think it's important that we just kind of keep having those conversations with, with everybody in the industry just to make sure we are getting all the different perspectives and that the message isn't just kind of being it, well, the job isn't just being left to women to ensure we've got diversity in the industry. Absolutely, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a global conversation, and not just in additive manufacturing. I mean, it's it is a it is a global conversation. Period. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I know you said when you began Women in 3D Printer, you didn't really set out with any major ambitions for, for what you wanted it to be. But I do remember reading an interview you did that you hoped that one day there wouldn't be a need for an organization like Women in 3D Printing in the industry. Is that still the case for you? Or do you think you have an even bigger and more important job now, given the success that the organization has received so far? We'll see. Uh, I think I'm still lacking a little bit of the vision here. Uh, I mean, we, we definitely, you know, we have a, we have a vision uh, with uh, with the, the rest of the board of directors, um, but uh, we'll see. I mean, we, we keep it open because it's evolving so quickly um, and uh, we, we'll see. It's uh, too still too soon for us to, to, to decide. We definitely have still a lot of work to do. Uh, yeah. Then do we want to... Um, I mean, there are discussions about opening it more so it's not only gender-based um, and so that uh, we can put together programs that would be more uh, diversity and inclusiveness uh, mm -hmm. oriented and not, again, not solely uh, gender-based. Um, those are the kind of discussions, high-level discussions we're having. Uh, but again, it's, um, it's in progress and it's a process. <laughs> so uh, we'll, uh, we'll see. And finally, you've already talked about um, all the plans you've got for women in 3D printing next gen. And as you said, some of the ideas there as well. I know probably after the last month, what you really want is a break <laughs> away from, <laughs> from so much work. But can you, can you talk about what, what's next for you, either at Women in 3D Printing or at, at Fast Radius? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, when we ended uh, Type 2021 in January, we we're like, okay, we're not talking about Type 2022 before a good two months. <laughs> uh, but we're actually already starting talking about Type 2022. So see, we, we don't keep up a promise on that. Um, no, I mean, we, so first thing, like I have like personal news myself. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting my second child right now. Um, so that will, uh, thank you, but that will keep me busy. I think the second half of the year for sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that, that's for me personally. Uh, but it's not, not something I can ignore because I have, I have a full-time job that I love and I have a, a hobby that I love and I have a toddler that I love and I have a husband that I love. And now I have a second kid I know I will love. So, uh, my, my, my heart is full and my hands are full as well. Um, so what personally I can do with women in 3D printing will actually depend on uh, the team we're putting together. So basically for women in 3D printing this year is going to be a lot of uh, uh, restructuration uh, to make sure that we are suited uh, to go to the next stage. Um, and I'm not saying that it's, you know, we have a wonderful team, uh, and but it's just like 
I've had a lot of visibility myself personally over the years, thanks to Women in 3D mm. Printing, and uh, it's time for me to, to give it back, right? Um, so not saying I won't do interviews anymore, I won't be involved with Women in 3D Printing anymore, but I will probably take uh, more of uh, the, the back seat uh, this year. That's that's what I'm working towards too. And you're probably the, you're actually the first one I'm telling that. So here you go, breaking news. <laughs> uh, but uh, again, I'm not stepping down just yet, but it's definitely something we're actually talking about. Um, and so we're putting in place the, the right team uh, to take us to the next stage uh, of main 3D printing. Uh, in addition, again, to, to growing the initiatives we, we're putting together and next gen. And as I said, we want to put like actual programs together. So Again, all of that takes uh, manpower and woman power, especially in this mm -hmm. case. Uh, and so we're building that and that takes time. Uh, and that's not something like every company goes through that phase, uh, but not every company is uh, vocal about it. We have nothing to hide. So here we go. Um, this is the work in progress we're currently doing. Uh, now in terms of uh, fast read as well, I, as I said, I think probably way too many times, at least five times to the beginning of this interview. I love it. <laughs> I'm really having a, a great time and I want to continue uh, being able to commit uh, fully to, to my job. Um, so that, that's also for me personally here, but also like for faster just coming up, like I would recommend like definitely uh, staying tuned because we're working on a lot of different things. Uh, and again, as being in, a, in the service side, we cannot share about all of them, but there's still a few things coming up that will be pretty exciting that we can talk about. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And now a word from our sponsor, Ultimaker. Ultimaker are a manufacturer of desktop extrusion-based 3D printers that can help streamline your workflow and save you time and money. Ultimaker printers offer industrial-grade material options backed by an extensive materials alliance program and they're also paired with trusted Cura slicing software which recently surpassed a milestone of 2 million users. For the decade in the additive manufacturing industry, Ultimaker machines have been used by a wide range of industrial customers for a range of applications. For more info, click the link in the description or visit mytct.co forward slash ultimakerpod.